you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on the show Board Elon Musk. Welcome, Board Elon Musk. Thank you, Jamie, for having me, and thank you for all the alpha you've been posting about on Twitter. You've made me a little bit of money. Oh, man, you're very kind. So with 1.7 million Twitter followers, you are by far the most popular person on Twitter that will reply to me. Um, <laughs> yes, so I will always reply to you. That's the least I can do is, is, is give you a bit of alpha. So for those that don't know, and like, you know, by virtue of you having 1.7 million Twitter followers, I'd imagine that more people know you than they know me. Um, but the profile description is arts and inventions from Elon in his downtime, a futuristic hyper parody creator and Martian explorer. But as we'll soon explore now, a very legit collector and investor. So uh, my goal is for you to dox yourself on the show. I've already told you that off air. You said you've been going for eight years. You've never done it. Like if I could, if I could do this, you know, we, we've got a great show. Um, but you sound like you've got nerves of steel. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see where we get to with that. Equally, we did a poll um, prior to the show. It is 8 p.m. here. I believe you are somewhere on the West Coast in the U.S. Um, as to who is the most drunk. And sadly, it's 110 votes, 51% me, which is true. So <laughs> I'm actually impressed at how close it was, though. Oh, I mean, I, you know. I think, firstly, uh, people massively underestimate me. And secondly, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't fare well for you, right? If I, I think you have to give me a, a 10% handicap because, you know, it's much earlier in the day. So in a way, I uh, I think you won this poll if there I, is a winner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think with that split, there are no winners there, right? We're, we're all losers. Um, so, look, you know, you are by far probably one of the most outsized influencers in the NFT space, both as a creator, collector, investor, commentator, um, founder. And I was looking at your Rarible collection. It said like near 700 created just below, well, 1.7K owned. What ratio of those are spam NFTs versus things you bought? Oh, so, so many. I mean, I get the wildest uh, spam NFTs sent to me that I don't know what to do with. It's It stinks that it's, uh, you know, you have to pay to burn them. So I basically right. have stopped doing that. Luckily, you can kind of hide them and and, and shuffle them away. But uh, it, uh, it definitely messes up the, the collection. Um, and yeah, I've created quite a few. I think, you know, earlier in the year, as NFT started to really blow up, I experimented with uh, creating my own. And then quickly um, acknowledged that I am not a visual artist myself and instead shifted towards partnerships with other artists. So I would come up with the concepts, uh, work with uh, talented uh, designers and artists and create something together. And then typically we would uh, split the, the profits 50-50. So in a way, I acted as a gallery or a gallerist and uh, provided you know visibility to individuals and distribution 
to really great artists who didn't have it on their own. And it was, it was a win-win. And uh, that was really the first half of 2021. And then leverage some of the, uh, the winnings, I suppose you could say, from, from that work into other investments and, and startups and investing in DeFi and now getting into DAOs as well. Yeah, but, you know, look, I mean, I think um, that's, that's very humble. But the reality is, I mean, you could say gallerist. You could also say a studio, right? I mean, how many creators rely upon a studio of people to help them manifest their creative output, right? And like... I don't know. I, I'm looking at just even within my collection or the, the, the broader NFT space, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to have like a, a high aesthetic as a creator to be able to be successful in this space, right? Yeah, I, I think so. It's not necessarily about, um, I, and, and that's really art in general, right? It's the story that, that you can tell as an artist, the, the visuals are not always the, the most important part. Um, and I think that dabbling in sort of creating the art and or acting as a studio, as you say, just boosted my, my curiosity and led me to invest in, you know, other projects. Um, one in particular that was, was quite uh, fortunate was uh, a little, little project called board Ape yacht club. Um, when that launch uh, launched, I, I thought it was a really clever story. I liked the universe they were building and decided to acquire 14 of them. And they're all wearing a Fez hat and they all have a, an orange <laughs> background. And uh, I just kind of sat on them for a few months and that, that worked out well. And uh, I'm still the proud owner of those, of those board apes. And I, the, you know, the most appealing part about that project was that they used the board, you know, adjective in their, in their project. Ooh, that, that was obviously yeah. a, a great alignment and uh, had nothing to do with me. People made assumptions that I was somehow connected to it, but I we wasn't. Should but... It's all to do with you. I mean, like I would be all over it. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, the, the term board um, now in, in Web3 is really commonly used. So I'm, I'm happy that I uh, cemented my branding with the, with the term board in front of my, uh, my name. And uh, it's really now the, the, drive, the driving factor of all of my branding. It's, it's the word board, you know, plus whatever else I do. So, I mean, look, there's loads of stuff I want to get into. You know, you're a legit investor in things like CityCoins, Olympus. Um, I know that you're developing your own kind of gaming environment, MetaMars, um, with its not cryptocurrency Mars coin. But let, let's just like pause on uh, Board Ape Yacht Club because I'd be interested to hear how you describe it like as a phenomena because it's like a fascinating form of like community ecosystem franchise right i mean it like i'm I'm still trying to get my head around what it represents but i'd be really interested to hear how you look at it from your perspective yeah i mean i'm sure plenty of people have described it as a a, a web country club i think that's kind of the obvious description but what i what i will focus on is i just like the storytelling aspect and i think what they did really well is they balanced um, providing enough of a framework uh, for their universe that they created without too much guardrails. So what I mean by that is a lot of times people might come up with a project, like let's say loot, and it's completely open-ended. Anyone can do anything with it practically. And sometimes that open-endedness um, leads to paralysis and doesn't really go anywhere. Um, on the flip side, you might have something like a video game, which is very linear and it tells you exactly what to do. Um, and once you sort of go through that experience, you're, you're bored of it and you, and you walk away. What Board Ape Yacht Club did is they created little nuggets of information that tell you the story about these apes, but then they also left it fairly open and also gave creative control to people who own the apes themselves. 
and then the community was able to expand on the universe themselves. So I just think they found that perfect balance of giving their community control and giving them a little bit of lines to to color inside of. And I don't think anyone's matched that quite yet, um, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. And so let's start at the top. And this is where I try to get you to dox yourself. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, uh, that's why I wanted you to get a little bit loose and drunk. But you, you said you're just high on caffeine. So I don't know. I'm, I'm ultra vigilant now instead. Yeah, right. Exactly. The opposite of what I was hoping for. But let, let's give it a go anyway. So what is Bored Elon? I know we, I, I gave like a, a copy and paste description of you at the top end of this, but like, what does it represent? Because like for me, on the one hand, it's like, I mean, it's incredibly zeitgeist. It's like meme stock meets crypto meets crypto Twitter meets uh, like degen culture. Uh, but, you know, you're clearly a guy that is, I'm guessing, north of 30, um, probably had a professional career prior to doing weird things on Twitter. What is Bald Elon? I'll try to say this in a way that is humble uh, and not arrogant, but I, I modeled Bored Elon um, off of David Bowie. And the thinking My there is- My favorite all-time artist, by the way. Yeah, so. I'm going to keep throwing British references into oh, this conversation. Um, we'll cover we'll cover uh, Doctor Who later. But yeah, I mean, David Bowie was kind of hard to describe, right? Was he an artist, a singer? You know, what, what, what exactly was his style? Um, what interested him? It- continued to change. And he wasn't necessarily the best at anything. He dabbled in a lot of things and he was a very curious person and he changed kind of what, what he was through time. And I think that's what Bordelon is too. Um, you know, it started off as basically just a, a joke, uh, kind of like Dogecoin. I mean, it was, uh, a, it, you know, Bordelon was memed into existence because uh, real Elon came up with the, um, the idea of a hyperloop and he put the plans out on the internet for free for anyone to basically build this high-speed train. And he did that because he didn't have time to do it himself. So, you know, Bored Elon is a caricature of this, this bored, you know, billionaire genius who, who has uh, brilliant ideas when he's sitting on the toilet. And, and really, that was like the first half of, of what Bored Elon was, was just, you know, funny, funny jokes and ideas. And then it, it, it evolved into, you know, what you have today, which is somebody who dabbles in a, in a lot of different places, whether it's game design or investing or, or NFTs. And so I think there are a lot of communities right now that you see in Web3 that would not necessarily consider me a part of them. And, and I think that's okay. I just go in and out where it makes the most sense for me. Um, and I'd rather, I'd rather be sort of a jack of all trades who is a, a solid, you know, eight out of 10 in a lot of different things versus being an expert um, in one particular area. I mean, I've got to admit, the, the fact that you opened with David is like, I, I'm like, the interview's over now. I'm not going to dox you anymore because like Thank Ziggy you. Stardust, if you, if you ask me like the ultimate artiste, um, it, it's it's David and and, um, and Ziggy Stardust and that, that whole thing, right? Playing around with identity and the boundaries between the audience and the performer. And I, I love this idea. I mean, it's kind of weird, right? Because you're right. Elon has memed his way into many industries and like actually that's kind of what bored elon's done right i mean you know you're now um i mean i don't know what you did prior but like certainly now you are a legit investor founder i i know that there's a kind of a gaming background but 
you know, you're rolling out a new game. I mean, this is not, it's not a parody anymore. I mean, it might be a parody of Elon, but it's no longer a parody of itself, right? Yeah, I mean, it was really only a parody of him for the first couple of years. And then it really started to become its own identity. What's been funny is Real Elon's tweeted at or about Bord Elon a couple of times. One one tweet in particular, um, he basically, you know, sort of sarcastically said that that I'm his secret troll account, implying <laughs> that he runs it. And this gets me in trouble because a lot of people continue to think that, you know, Bord Elon is, is Elon. And uh, I'm not... I'm going to make that claim. I don't want to make that claim, but I appreciate that he had a sense of humor about it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, it's, it, it has evolved. And I think that uh, as soon as uh, I really started to spend more time in crypto, that was a, a game changer for me because, you know, building a, a business off of uh, a parody account that you don't want to dox is, is difficult in the traditional world of, you know, monetizing through things like PayPal or Venmo or Stripe and, you know, shipping things to people where you have to have an address. Uh, crypto really opened up a lot of opportunities for, for, for me. Um, what I will say, you know, not to go too too much into the details of my, uh, my real ID, but, you know, I have a sort of a communications and marketing background. Uh, game, game, uh, the games industry is something that is very much entrenched in my, in my background, and that's an area that I'm interested in. But uh, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a developer. I'm not in the world of finance. So there are many areas that I'm still brushing up on and, and accumulating knowledge around. But having the ability to communicate and grow a community and market yourself is, uh, is pretty valuable. And you can apply that to many different disciplines. Yeah, and I think this like, the, I, I want to get to the importance of media and well, different types of media, because I know recently, this week anyway, we had the whole Facebook outage, uh, and I know you were providing some commentary on decentralized social media. But before we get into that, I, I kind of just want to understand how you got into crypto. Was it by virtue of Elon trolling crypto and doing a whole Doge thing, and you know, or, or did you have an interest? Like, were you just following Elon, or was it your own personal interest? It was my own personal interest. I actually have been going through my uh, my crypto um, accounting for the last, you know, basically eight years, and uh, I was looking at transactions from 2013 when I was buying Bitcoin at about eighty dollars per Bitcoin. And uh, like many, you know, I sold uh, I sold a lot of it uh, before it it reached the levels that it is at today. But the the reason that I got into crypto was just because I was frustrated with the um, difficulty around sending money to people around the world, um, how long it took, how expensive it was, uh, and the lack of control. And I thought, you know, I started learning about crypto, and that that felt like a really strong solution. So I, uh, I really started kind of experimenting with things like with uh, Bitcoin and Stellar and, and things that basically let me conduct business um, on my own terms. And then there was a bit of a pause, you know, from, I would say, 2015 to 2018, kind of nothing. I, I felt like crypto wasn't necessarily going to grow to the place it is today. And I stopped paying attention. And then around that time, I got back into it and um, and really started to see more utility besides it just being a, a means of transacting um, you know, your, your, your finances. So, and, and, and then fast forward to this year in particular with NFTs, that was an opportunity for me to turn my distribution into a real business and create products, especially because with NFTs, you don't necessarily have to be a technical person. You just have to be someone with creativity and a means of getting a message out. And, and that has really been um, a life-changing 
experience for me. And uh, I'm trying to now leverage that into the the, the many opportunities that uh, that Web3 offer. Yeah, and I remember we were talking offline in, in Twitter DMs for a while, and you're saying this year has just been like a, a game changer. Um, and I definitely want to get into like some of the really interesting initiatives that you've going on, got going on, whether it's social tokens, whether it's um, things like MetaMars and, and what have you. But like prior, let, let's just um, pause on this whole decentralized social media thing, because obviously this week's been a big week. Um, you know, if you had any, if you needed any more reason to hate Facebook, um, well, you know, here you go. Now you put out a tweet, which basically said decentralized social media will be a wild west as opposed to centralized media, which will be literally nothing. Now, you know, you built your profile, your distribution channel, everything through centralized social media. What, what, what do you kind of mean by this comment? Yeah, I mean, it certainly was a dig at uh, at Facebook, uh, mostly. But you're right. You know, Twitter is my biggest distribution mechanism, and I understand the reality that if you know if they decided to shut me down tomorrow for whatever reason, um, it would be a huge blow to to everything that I'm doing. Um, and so, on one hand, I'm very appreciative of what Twitter has done um, and and the opportunities that have been enabled because of it. But um, there is a sense of constant dread that, you know, I don't have control over this community that I've built. Um, I'm a, a bit harsher when it comes to Facebook and their various platforms, because I think not only do you not have control over your community, but their systems are sometimes built to um, take advantage of kind of the worst human behavior and instincts that that are sort of built into our uh, into our wiring. So why I'm still a little bit bullish, though, on, on Twitter is that I have this uh, wild theory uh, that Jack Dorsey does want to decentralize Twitter down the road. And the really wild uh, theory I have is that he's accumulating Bitcoin primarily for the purpose of uh, getting enough wealth to buy it back outright from shareholders because they will never allow him to do this. But if he owns it completely, um, he will. And I think that that will be his gift to society. So if this happens, I think it'll happen in the next two to four years. Um, it might be a spectacular failure, but I still have hope that Twitter can be the decentralized network that that we all deserve. So when bored Jack? <laughs> when bored Jack? Wow, yeah. that's a good that's a good question. I think uh, he's he's tweeting as if he already is that. He just hasn't right. changed his name, right? So <laughs> I, I don't know if he wants to give up the at Jack handle, but uh, he he definitely is beyond the point of caring about money. Um, and you know, even the moves that Twitter has made in terms of introducing Bitcoin payment features and soon, um, you know, NFT-based uh, profile pictures, like they are moving way faster than any other social platform. But nonetheless, I, I do think it's important for um, fully decentralized uh, networks to emerge, and I think that they will be messy. Um, there will be a, a steep learning curve for the masses who are used to using a, a simple platform like an Instagram or a Facebook. But I think that once people test that out and see that they can both monetize through such platforms, that they can operate without being advertised to, that they can operate without their data being sold you know, to other people, um, it will be the superior option. And then all other social networks will either have to um, you know, fall in line and decentralize or they will just go away and will become MySpace. Um, I don't know how fast that will happen, but I do think that, you know, social networks became as large as they are fairly quickly, and I think they can just as quickly become uh, part of our our past if if a better solution is is offered. 
Yeah, and it must be terrifying, right? I mean, I, like I, I can't imagine losing my my Twitter account, and I've got like like hardly any followers, right? You know, here you are with, you know, a, a huge amount of followers, and like especially if you're in the US, you know, you're talking about crypto and social tokens and all this kind of stuff. Um, it must be like a genuine concern about being deplatformed because we've seen, you know, Twitter's blocked ads around crypto as as YouTube and several other platforms. I mean, that, that must be a deplatforming must be a constant concern for you, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, my content tends to be fairly light, um, not super controversial, doesn't get into politics really. Um, and it doesn't hurt that Jack follows me, you know, he only follows like 4,000 people. So I think I'm not on the top of the list of uh, people at risk, but, you know, fundamentally, or I guess philosophically, I still don't like the fact that, you know, someone has that power. Um, and I, I do genuinely think with Twitter, at least, um, they're trying to continue to evolve the process of, you know, what, what happens if someone shares content that is not deemed appropriate, you know, it doesn't go straight to deplatforming. It might, it might start with a few warnings and a discussion, uh, and not go straight to like, we're going to boot you. Um, so, you know, in the meantime, with, with that in mind, I'm, I'm still trying to grow my network via, you know, email subscribers, Discord channels, um, Instagram, anything that a person can do to diversify their distribution is, is smart when we're still primarily dealing in, in centralized uh, media. Right. And look, let's face it. I mean, we're all looking for a decentralized version of social media, but it's just too inconvenient right now, right? I mean, I, I would love to be primarily using more decentralized forms of social media but yet you know you've invested so much time into twitter and everything else it's, it's very hard to do so what do you think is going on with tiktok and the nft thing right i mean that was that's like pretty big news for nfts at the same time like it was a bit meh nobody really seemed that that interested yeah it it was a bit of a surprise to me i mean i'll be completely honest, I don't have a TikTok account. I don't plan on creating one. Um, but I know it's a it's a massive driver of, of culture um, and certainly played a, a large role when it came to a lot of the um, stock volatility with things like GameStop and, and AMC. So you could see how that type of fervor would translate then to, to NFTs, especially with people who are very creative and are producing content for you know hundreds of thousands of individuals. Um, you'd think it'd be a big deal. Part of me wonders if uh, if individuals don't want to invest into TikTok when it comes to anything crypto related, because uh, perhaps there's this this sense of oh, it's a company that's owned by you know chi by by a by a Chinese uh, you know sort of backer, and so at any moment that might get shut down. So maybe it doesn't make sense for me to to go down that path. I'm honestly shocked that TikTok even went down the road of of sort of wading into NFTs given you know their ownership, but. Um, I do think that it is net benefit to the, the NFT community. It just is going to take a little bit longer, I think, for it to be something that resonates with the, the TikTok user base. Um, I do feel like the NFT space right now is mostly full of 25 to 45-year-olds, and that younger generation hasn't quite uh, jumped on it yet. Yeah, I agree. And so let, let's talk about you, know, you as an investor. So as I mentioned at the top end, there's... City Coins and Olympus. I know you know you've been very involved in that. Um, at least one of those has made you pretty significant money. Like, what what was it about those particular things that got you interested as an angel investor? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm basically investing in um, 
three things, right? It's it's uh, it's just straight up, you know, different types of tokens or co uh, coins. So you know, like Olympus would be one of them. City coins would be another. Um, NFTs is another big category, and then startups that are really focused on decentralized identity communication and gaming. Um, but when it comes to tokens, you know, there's thousands of different types of cryptocurrencies. The interesting thing about city coins is it is a combination of uh, you know, generating wealth, but also um, doing good um, for, for local cities. Um, a quick primer is uh, City Coins is built on the Stacks network, and Stacks is a sort of a layer 1.5 um, on top of Bitcoin. So it lets you do contracts and many of the other features that uh, Bitcoin can't do on its own. So um, basically, the idea with City Coin is when it gets mined, 70% uh, of it goes to the, the miners, and then 30% goes to a particular city. So when they launched, they did they they launched it for the city of Miami, and essentially they create a wallet, and uh, all that thirty percent goes to this wallet, and it will sit there until the mayor of a particular city claims it. And uh, luckily, uh, Mayor Francis Suarez did opt to to claim the wallet, and so ten million dollars has already been generated through mining activities for the city of Miami that they can use for anything. And so that's the background. But the reason I'm so interested in it is. I do think that crypto needs to be seen as something beyond just a way of making money. It needs to be something that really is like a civilization changing slash improving tool and giving a generating wealth that can then be used for municipalities is really a great version of paying taxes voluntarily, right? So instead of taxes being uh, taken involuntarily and then used for a variety of uh, reasons that sometimes people are happy or not happy with, you can use crypto to generate money, which will then be applied to things that you think are important and can go to cities that you think are doing a better job. So it's rewarding good behavior by our political leaders. And so it's very much in the infancy right now, and Miami is the only city, but I do think that city coins are going to eventually be uh, emerging for every major city in the world and that people will be rewarding those cities that they think are, are doing a better job in, in running things. Yeah, and you know, Muneeb is a, a good friend of ours, um, an outlier, and I, I'm really impressed by what they're doing over well, full Bitcoin, but with stacks, and you know, we've explored, we are exploring how we might collaborate with regards to an accelerator at some point because we definitely want to really try to support what they're doing over there. Um, so, so you know, from that point, you've. When we were chatting, I don't know, about a month ago, been trying to get you on, on the podcast for a while. You mentioned your involvement with Syndicate DAO. I know you're also actively involved in Party DAO and Party Bid app. Could you tell us about those projects? Sure. I think that both of them um, are representative of systems that make it very easy for a group of individuals to come together and make investments. So Party DAO is a, is a simpler um, example which basically lets uh, a group of people put in a little bit of money to acquire a high-value NFT. Uh, it could be something like a board ape or a punk or something that you know the everyday person might not be able to afford. And essentially, they get a fraction of a particular high-value NFT, and they're then part of a little club, right? There's a hundred or a thousand people that can say that they own part of a of a board ape. Um, and presumably in the future, um, that that NFT might get purchased, and then those people can kind of cash out uh, and trade their tokens in for uh, hopefully what is a higher value. Um, Syndicate is is something is a uh, is a startup that I invested in, and 
Um, it's it's a, a fantastic venture that is basically going to help uh, founders and creators spin up businesses and raise money to invest in other businesses in a very easy way. So the way I sort of think about it is the way AngelList made it very easy for people, for startups to raise money in sort of a web 2.0 world. I think Syndicate is going to do that in a web 3.0 world that is largely powered by crypto. And for, for me in particular, and people like me, what's exciting about Syndicate is it lets you focus on the business building, the networking, the marketing, um, and sort of the, the deal flow element, and not necessarily all of the operations that are required uh, when it comes to raising money. And especially in the United States, when you want to raise money and, and grow a fund, um, there's a lot of legal and accounting work that needs to be done. So Syndicate's promise essentially is that that element is going to be reduced by 1,000x. And there's a lot of work to do, but they're making great pro uh, progress. Um, in addition to community investors like myself, they've raised money from Andreessen Horowitz and many other prominent investors. Um, I will say I was very proud when the initial uh, initial press release came out for Syndicate Dow's raise. There was a hundred people who were mentioned, and one of them was Snoop Dogg, and I was listed right under him as an investor. So that's a <laughs> feather in the cap for me to be a co-investor with Snoop Dogg. Oh man! Well, when we finish this podcast, and just to tease listeners, um, we've got some. We've got some interesting news about Snoop Dogg um, here over Outlier, so um, I'll, I'll tell you about that off air. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, his his recent um, account, which was uh, oh god, um, he, he kind of had a, a collector's account for NFTs. I've forgotten the name now. It's a Cosmos something. Yeah, I don't remember the. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, yeah. which was I believe him and Nick Adler. Nick Adler's his manager, who I know, um, who, who's been been kind of building up a collection on his behalf with him, his active engagement. Um, but I, I, I just love it. I love seeing people like him and athletes and celebrities getting into the space. It's, you know, NFTs are just a more efficient social flex instead of a Ferrari or, um, you know, a $30 million mansion um, in Malibu. You can have uh, this image that represents you and that you think is really interesting and you can acquire lots and lots of them and, and contribute to creating them. I, I, I genuinely think that you know the cultural tipping point has has taken place now that you have celebrities uh, jumping into the NFT space, and um, I think the the biggest obstacle now is really just the learning curve and getting everybody to understand you know how to use a web wallet, how to obtain some cryptocurrency to buy these things. Um, but but there's no shortage of prominent individuals now who are uh, reaching millions of people who might be interested in the space. So. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I, uh, I'm happy that Snoop and others like him are doing what they're doing. Absolutely. So are you categorically saying you do not have a place in Malibu? <laughs> not at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, when you do, uh, just give me an invite. Um, so let, let's finally talk about, I guess, the piece de resistance, right? Uh, MetaMars and what you're doing with Mars coins. So again, in a desperate attempt to dox you, I know you have a gaming background. I know that this is like very important to you. Let's talk about the metaverse. Let's talk about what MetaMars and, Meta, uh, and, and Mars Coin is. Sure. So, so MetaMars is a metaverse because I don't like to use the term the metaverse, and we can discuss that too. But, oh my um, God. That's where we're going. <laughs> that, you, now you've ruined it. I mean, we, this is, we were connecting over Bowie and yeah. everything else, and you just fucked it by saying it's there's a single, yeah, there's the, multiple metaverses. The, 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 the metaverse is, is kind of like you know somebody with a god complex who says there is going to be one <laughs> one thing that rules them all. But we'll we'll put a pin in all that right. one. So, we'll put so yeah. MetaMars is a combination of uh, blockchain gaming 
DeFi and NFTs. Um, right now, it is a private Discord, so anybody who owns a particular NFT called a Mars coin can jump into the Discord and chat with me and a bunch of other great community members. But ultimately, uh, MetaMars is going to be an online arcade that has kind of the classic arcade games that we've all played growing up um, with a Martian spin. So, you know, you'll have racing games and shooter games and, and uh, you know, things that you might have seen in like a 1990s arcade um, uh, in an actual arcade. Um, but the, the sort of twist on all of this is that you don't have to put, you don't have to put tokens into play and deposit money to play. You will deposit a certain amount of Ethereum. And when you deposit this money, um, it is going to earn yield, right? Because there are lots of great DeFi tools that let yeah. a person accumulate yield. Now, instead of individuals who have deposited money getting yield, all of that yield will be pooled together. And then the top scoring players and those who are winning at all of these games in a given week or month are going to actually win the entire pool. So for anyone who's heard of pool together or no lost lotteries, yeah. that's essentially what MetaMars is going to be. You play games, you have fun. When you're done, you get all your money back. But if you're really good, you're also going to get a prize on top of, the, of that. And the idea is that we're going to launch MetaMars with games that we create on our own. It might be four or five to start, and eventually we'll get to 10. But um, ultimately, the game plan is to have it act as a gateway to other people's games. So kind of like an app store um, that will lead you to other uh, gaming experiences. Um, so that's that's kind of the core element of it. I think anyone who has worked in game design and game development knows these things take time. It's not like a 10,000 avatar project where you can just crank it out in two weeks. Um, you know, you have to program each individual game, balance them to make sure they're fair, work out the tokenomics and economics of all the gaming systems. So we have a very patient community that is, you know, continuing to be uh, diligent and, and, and wait for us to develop the game. But I'm very excited about where it's going. And I, I am confident that um, in spring to summer of next year, we'll be able to, to reveal uh, at least a, an early version of MetaMars. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, so through the Accelerate at the moment, we've got three variations of uh, no loss lotteries, um, including how that's baked into gaming. And it's like a fascinating trend that's coming through. And I think it's going to be really successful, certainly as, as these things start coming online in, in 2022 or whatever year it is. Um, yeah, that's that's great to hear. And I will say that at least in the United States, the idea of no loss lotteries um, is not very well known. So I'm happy to see that there are other groups that are bringing that uh, or, or raising the visibility of it, because I think it's a, it's a nice uh, savings vehicle for many people and certainly a lot less predatory than traditional lotteries that uh, mostly just take money away from people. Yeah, I mean, we've got one startup in Accelerator right now, which is got a Gen Z founder and, you know, his whole pitch is, look, you know, currently there's no point saving if you're Gen Z and even if you could, you know, most people are now resorting to gambling, they're, they're unemployed, you know, they can't really get any meaningful form of income or interest. And so they're resorting to gambling. Um, yeah. And so actually a way to be able to kind of pool um, capital together to put that to work in DeFi and then, you know, share the upside, it, it just like totally makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that um, that that sentiment around Gen Z is valid. And that's why you're seeing, you know, these wild investments and, you know, various coins and right. uh, shit coins, if you will, right. and, and stocks that are going nowhere, because it's kind of all or nothing for this generation. And I do think that crypto is is providing um, 
the younger generation with um, a way to leapfrog the traditional path and uh, to obtain wealth in a, in a way that is more accessible. And I fully, I fully support that. I, I feel like a lot of people are graduating from school with a massive amount of debt, have no pro, you know, promise of you know, purchasing a home and sort of going down that path. And um, they're finding new ways to do it. And uh, I, again, I'm, I'm encouraging of it. And I, and I think it's going to actually lead to a more egalitarian society than the, uh, the current system. I'm with you. Yeah, I had people please her on uh, the previous episode, and we talked about her, you know, foray into into DeFi and then NFTs as a creator. And you know, she said, "Look, I had nothing to lose. I had everything to gain." Um, and this is kind of like self-taught financial literacy that you just couldn't get even in MBA or anything else. That a whole generation is learning through crypto, and if nothing else, you know, I think that's one of the most exciting things. Um, that we're doing in this space. Well, look, I am going to immediately end this interview to talk offline with you about several things. So it's been great having you on the show um, and uh, really looking forward to seeing what you're up to as, you know, Bored Elon or Bored Jack in 2022. Thank you so much for having me. And I promise that for our next episode, I will be inebriated. Yeah, please. I mean, you really let the team down here. I'll make it up to you, but thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.